and we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on ADHD. I made sure to say that as slow as possible because we've had like three false starts already. So this is going to be an adventure. Anyway, I'm Torrin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I guess technically today you're the ADHD sage. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> on, on a serious note, though, like you do know a lot about it. You, you kind of have to just in your line of work. You come across it mm-hmm. so much. But I guess I guess for the sake of simplicity, you, you will remain the autism sage. I will remain the autism sage because I just love the way it sounds. I love the origin. And it's so me. I mean, it's so me. Without me, remember I asked you what it meant when you started calling me that. I'm like, why are you calling me that? And then you, I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a really nice compliment. And then... Also, when you say ADHD sage, I just think like a 50-year-old man with like a ZZ top beard just taking poles from a bong that's six feet long, just like 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 wearing like shorts and flip-flops. So, so like a hippie with a long beard, effectively. That's, oh. that's what I think of, like, ADHD sage. Well, I am the autism sage, and that name is forever ingrained in my soul. So. Okay, let's, let's get let's, the topic. Let's breathe. As my, as my student says, okay, okay, take a minute, take a minute, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. You feel better now, right? You feel better now. That's how she... Like when someone tells me to breathe, and I promise we'll get to the topic. When someone tells me to breathe, I almost take that like a challenge. Like I go like full, like I I don't want to get political, but like full conservatives. Like, don't you tell me how to live my goddamn life. I will breathe if I want to. If I want to hold my breath till I die, I'm gonna do that because I live free. That's what I think of when someone tells me to breathe. Don't tell me to breathe. <laughs> So funny, Jordan. I swear, I feel like like both of us clearly push back on things. We just do it in such a stereotypical female versus male way. <laughs> so today, as a child saying, breathe, I'm going to hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so today, as you've probably seen the title, we're talking about RSD. I finally got it right because I, I keep flipping. I have dyslexia, so I keep flipping the D and the S, so I keep saying RDS. Um, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is something common with ADHD and other uh, neurological disorders, which we'll get into in the episode. But I wanted to have a conversation about that. Uh, you have some thoughts. We actually have some disagreements, which is always good when we have disagreements. But I feel like this is sort of the new... I don't want to say the new it disorder because that, that minimalizes it, but you are seeing a lot of it on social media. And I was just look, refreshing myself on it on the Cleveland Clinic, which is like a legit medical website. So it, it, it's not just like something that's made up. It, it has some traction and it is recognized. So I, I wanted to go into it a little bit because I think a lot of people do deal with this. And a lot of people kind of don't know what it is and have some misconceptions. So I want to cover all of that. But first, what are your thoughts on it? Because you have some um, interesting <laughs> thoughts on uh, RSD. <laughs> so let me give a little context. 
For those listeners who may or may not have been in the era when the Cosby Show was on, um, oh Jesus Christ, we're, we're already on the Cosby Show. You already, you already know this is going downhill quickly. No, no, no. There is an episode where Denise brings home her husband by surprise, and of course her parents are startled. And so they're at dinner later that day, and Denise is upset with her dad because she feels like her dad doesn't like her new husband, right? He he tells the husband about a steak. He's like, you know, like a steak? He's like, yeah. You like porterhouse? He's like, yeah. He's like with with uh, something, potatoes on? He's like, yeah. So he gets this like guy, you know, they're both thinking about this steak. And he's like, yeah. And then um, Cliff Huxtable picks up a trash can lid and says, well, what if it was served on this? And he said, that's how you served your husband. It doesn't matter how great he is. Doesn't matter how good that porterhouse steak is. If you serve it on a trash can, then it's not presented in a way that I'm ready to even take it in or go towards it. And I thought, wow, that is like, it, it just made so much sense to me. So to segue into our topic, that is how RSD was introduced to me on a trash can lid. <laughs> So scenario is that during a team meeting, um, feedback was given. I love feedback. Feedback was given um, and requests were made. And a request was made by a team member that all of our messages, emails, chat messages, please include an emoji because she has RSD, rejection, dysphoria, I'm sorry, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And of course I said, what the heck is that, right? Do we have more acronyms to remember? So then it was explained to me and the explanation was when emojis are not included, they feel offended. They feel like our tone is inappropriate and harsh. So, I had to process that. And of course I had to do some research and I had to look. Um, and I did, you know, I'm all about learning something new and open to new ideas. However, my stubbornness and my questioning or my need to question things is, so if we're putting emojis because you make us, does that make you feel better? Even though you know it's not genuine because you're making us? And there was no comment. And then I thought, okay, so if we don't send an emoji with a message, like, what is the pushback, right? Like, can you maybe reply and clarify for tone if you feel confused and continue the communication exchange? And they said, well, it's just really hard for me because, you know, I just have so much... Um, trauma. I'm like, okay, fine. I understand. I respect that. I don't know your experience. Got you. If we send you a message, we need to include an emoji. If we send an email, please make sure we sign off with an emoji. I can respect that. So my solution was, I no longer messaged or sent an email to that person again. Because <laughs> I don't do things disingenuine. I probably won't put an emoji in a work business correspondence. So that was my decision. I didn't offend them anymore and everybody's happy. 
There's always a solution, Torin. Always a solution. Always a solution. Emojis. Emojis with a solution. <sighs> hey, yeah. can you please have these reports ready by Friday? Smiley face part. And if you don't put a smiley face, does that mean? Okay. And, and you know, uh, you and I have talked about cultural differences, right? I was raised by strong black women and a alpha male dad, black dad. So, you know, I was raised in the, you don't have any wants, not that I was traumatized, but certainly you learned through society as a black person navigating the world to roll with the punches on rejection uh, because there was no time to be sensitive about it. And I'm not disregarding the feelings that people have. That's not what I'm saying. And we'll get into that because I, I always think, like I said, there's a solution. So that was my introduction to That, that was your trash can lid. Yes, that was it. But, but before I respond to that, I want to read something that I saw doing a little bit of, I don't want to say research. I hate when people say research because it's mm -hmm. not actual research because I wasn't looking at studies and peer reviews. I was just looking up what RSD was to make sure that I didn't just spew a bunch of bullshit on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But I read a paragraph that's titled What Causes Rejection Sensitivity Dysphoria, which is very interesting in how it was laid out. This is from the Cleveland Clinic, so it's a pretty rep reputable source. It says, Experts aren't sure exactly why RSD happens, but they suspect it involves issues with the structure of your brain that happens for reasons similar, similar to ADHD. Researchers do, do know that, rejection, that social rejection, even when it's vague or uncertain, causes similar brain activities to pain. They also note the brain of someone with ADHD doesn't regulate internal communications the same way as the brain of someone without ADHD. The brain areas that filter and regulate signals aren't as active. This means there's less of a filter on brain activity. The difference in regulating internal communication is why people with ADHD commonly have trouble processing information from their senses. It also makes them prone to feeling overwhelmed by loud noises, bright lights, or sudden changes in what's happening around them. The brain of someone with ADHD might not be able to regulate pain-like activities, which would explain why rejection is so much more troubling and painful for someone with RSD. Now, the woman you, you, you said that wanted uh, emojis for, for um, your emails, if that same woman had explained, instead of saying, I have RDS and I have all this trauma, if she explained, let's say, I don't know, I'm autistic, because what I just described is autism. They just didn't want to use the word. If the woman said she was autistic and had trouble uh, parsing out tone of voice in written words, and the emojis helped her understand exactly what, she, what you meant, would you have been more receptive to what she had to say? You know, I'm going to say yes, but maybe not for this particular one person. But yes, I would say that if a truly autistic person that did know they were autistic and had been diagnosed with ADHD, and I know three personally that are, I know three women personally that are diagnosed ADHD a long time ago. They have RSD and um, I always tell them, 
you might want to look at an autism diagnosis because I think that's really what it is. And and I think that that explanation you gave, you know, when I start thinking about sensory regulation, sensory regulation, sensory regulation, right? Sensory regulation is the basis for you to be able to regulate your emotions, to be able to process communication and language. So yeah, it sounded pretty much like the autism sensory connection to me. So my question is, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. And I'm not I'm not going you personally. It's more of a general societal question. So it, it, would I have had more empathy if they were autistic? No, well, well, you already answered that. My question is, why is it that someone has to have a diagnosis of something like autism to elicit that sort of empathy? Like you mentioned how you'd have two different responses, which if I'm being honest, so would I. If, if someone said, oh, I'm ADHD, and uh, can you put emojis in? I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? But if someone said they were autistic and explained it, I'd be more likely to. Why is it that you have to have a diagnosis of autism to effectively be granted the benefit of the doubt that you need those accommodations? That is a really good question. So from my perspective, um, I will say, like I said, it was on a trash can, right? So clearly there's a history with this particular team member um, not wanting to pull their weight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me, you know, and since that introduction, I've been introduced and had discussions with other team members who are ADHD and said that they experience RSD, um, two of which I think are actually autistic, but the, the point I made to both of them was this. Okay, great, fine. You have this rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So what I'm hearing from my perspective is one, Apparently, you can't give feedback and you can mess up, but we can't say anything because you're going to cry like you do in the meetings. So we can get feedback, but you can't get feedback. So my thing is this. I'm not saying it's not easy. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not hard. I'm saying if you know and you're aware, communicate to your boss and your team members in a way that you described it and come up with a plan, not just tell people they need to use emojis to make you feel better, right? Um, you explained it in a way of the visual helps me to understand the context. Totally makes sense to me, right? But I am old school and I do not go to the workplace to feel good about myself. I don't go to make other people feel good about themselves. I go because we have a job to get done. Um, I remember having a conversation with a gentleman on my team who said he felt like I wasn't giving him enough uh, accolades throughout the week. And I said, do you, sarcastically, do you want me to put a sticker chart on your door? And he looked at me and said, yes. And I said, <laughs> that's not happening. Your mom was responsible for that. And maybe you might want to talk to your wife. Um, I also remember a coworker who were all in the cubicle area. And I will never forget this co-worker turns around in her chair and loudly says, I need someone to affirm me, please, right now. I literally walked out of the room as to not like violently respond. 
I don't understand, right? That's not what, from my perspective, you go to work, you do your work. You make friends, you don't make friends, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to like everyone you work with, but you need to do your work and be respectful. So I'm fine with you explaining what you need, but I think both people need to come up with a reasonable compromise. I don't think that you should opt it out of getting feedback. You need to clarify how you can receive feedback because just because you are ADHD with trauma and RSD, that doesn't mean you get to mess up your work and we all have to fix it for you. I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that. Um, accommodations, yes, us doing your work, no. Um, just old school, not, not doing that. No, I completely agree with that. I think it's more, and I'm not defending this particular individual. I'm making more I, know, of I, need, I need to go away from the trash can lid. Let me, let me, let me push that away. The individual you brought up is a good example because I feel like she represents sort of a stand-in for, for for what I'm trying for what I'm aiming at, which is that certain disorders, like autism, for example, they have these uh you have these words and you have these ways to ask for for help and ask for accommodations. Whether those mm -hmm. accommodations are granted is a whole different pie. We have a bunch of episodes about that, but we have the language to ask mm -hmm. for accommodations. In my opinion, because autism is more visible and it's more, uh, it can it can be seen as more of an inconvenience on the people around you. Something like ADHD, which is because seen as this trendy disorder without real disabling characteristics, when mm -hmm. actual disabling characteristics come up, a lot of people don't have the language to actually explain these characteristics, and they have no clue what supports they actually need. So the first thing that came to this woman's mind, for example, is emojis, which is dumb. That's that's dumb because you're in a professional environment. It's not going to be perceived well. An adult should understand that. But like I said, they don't have the language because we don't focus enough on the disabling parts of mm -hmm. less uh, visible disorders. Visible mm -hmm. meaning a lot of times you see like an autistic person who's quote unquote lower functioning i'm making the biggest air quotes you possibly can you can see it and they walk differently they talk differently even someone who's quote unquote high functioning might have differences in speech patterns for example where there's something you can see you can't see the adhd unless they start rambling about something or you go to their apartment and you see how much of a mess it is you can't really see it so we think if you can't see something it isn't there so that causes this issue mm -hmm. of this woman had, I believe she has actual issues handling criticism because that's part of RSD, which we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. it, it's not just, you hear the name rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Oh, so you don't deal with rejection well. Yes, but it also means you perceive things that aren't necessarily uh, rejection, just things like criticism, and you perceive it as an attack and you can't regulate your emotions because part of ADHD is a struggle to regulate one's emotions. But we don't, I can have that language. The reason I have that language is because I'm on the spectrum and we run, and most of the time, we're moonlighting as an ADHD podcast. So for the most part, we're an autism podcast. We have the language because it's built in to talking about autism. We don't have the language for ADHD. So I think that is part of the problem that it sort of gets bastardized and, and taken advantage of. And... Mm -hmm. 
it just turns people off because they, they can't describe it in a way that people are receptive to. You're one mm -hmm. of the most accommodating people on the planet. But <clears throat> when this lady came in and was like, uh, yeah, I need emojis. You were like, I actually have to, when you said that, I actually have to uh, turn my mic off because I burst into hysterical laughter. <laughs> I guess that's inherently dumb. It just is. But that's the best language they have. So I think mm -hmm. more work needs to be done in moving that language over to more uh, socially acceptable disorders mm -hmm. like ADHD. And I, I have, I want, so this is what I will say. There's a very, very, very valid point and very uh, intelligent perspective, Torin. And I think that's starting to happen where people are uh, talking about more about the executive functioning component, but there's more to it. However, I have a question for you. So in regards to the emotional response that you, you mentioned, you know, in my head, I envision there is a group of people who have the luxury of claiming that um, they have, and I'm not saying, when I say claiming, I'm saying claiming because it's self, like a lot of people aren't getting a piece of paper. It. Yeah, there you go. Um, or identifying as an ADHD person with RSD, which I guess we'll get an acronym for that soon. So the group of people that have sort of the privilege and the comfort of doing that are white women, right? And I'm talking about America, white women. And then we have a group of people that do not have the privilege um, and do not have the um, empathy for accommodations and those are our black males. So can you tell me in your viewpoint in the neurodivergent world, how do white ADHDers with RSD, white women respond, and how do we react to them compared to the other group of Black males who have the same ADHD slash RSD? Oh, that's, so that's not one simple answer, but I'll try to sum it up. So the first thing you have to go is you mentioned two different genders, you mentioned male and females. So, mm -hmm. and research has shown this, people who are biologically male and people who are biologically female tend to react differently to different sorts of stimulus. Obviously, these are general statements. They're, of yes, course, outliers. Yes. And when you're talking about a population like in America of like 330 million, that's a lot of outliers. But we're talking mm -hmm. about general trends. Men tend to explode when mm -hmm. we're uncomfortable, which means we get angry. And then how do adults respond? There's usually... Oh, I'll get to that too, because it really okay. depends. Because a angry white male is considered way more acceptable. An angry white male is someone who's who, who's seen as active and concerned about their environment. An angry black male is seen as a threat. And that I'm I, I'm not making any controversial statements there. No, no, no. And and the reason I, I I'm saying those two groups is because those are the extremes. We have white women who get lots of the coddling, and we have black males who get absolutely none and something else. Women in general, and this is in general. I have to state again in general because people seem to not know what that word means. In general, <laughs> tend to become introverted when upset. Mm -hmm. They tend to be they they tend to go inward. So. When you have a situation of, you use the extreme of white women, which is a privileged group, um, not quite as privileged as white men, that's a different story. 
their RDS tends to be more inward, just like their emotion reactions tend RSD. to be more RSD. I said RDS. I knew I would. <laughs> I know it's okay. T t tend to be more inward. And when mm. you're more inward, you're less of an inconvenience to the people around you. And it also means you're more likely to be taken advantage of too, unfortunately. Yeah. So as a result, it's nice and packaged and convenient. And mm -hmm. people, you can elicit sympathy because you're not an inconvenience to them. For Black men or Black women or people of color in general, we're, for one thing, we're not even in touch with our emotions that much. We don't understand it quite as in-depth because we don't have the luxury to because society frowns upon us expressing it. So, for example, uh, Black women aren't given the same luxury as white women, just like Black men aren't given the same luxury as white men. And mm -hmm. I hate to get into all this intersectionality stuff because I know it turns some people off, but there's kind of no way to talk about this without pointing out the elephant in the room, which is most of the people mm -hmm. you see on social media talking about these sort of things are of certain political class, uh, certain uh, socioeconomic classes. So there's, there's no way around that. Um, but yeah, to make a very long answer, it's society isn't as accepting of people of color in general embracing their neurodivergence and mm -hmm. their, I don't want to say flaws because I don't think it's a flaw, but their vulnerabilities. I remember when we had Dana Gassner on, she was talking about how autistic kids, we tend to become more traumatized and you see high rates of PTSD in autistic kids autistic adults because things happen to us as kids it gets imprinted in our brain and we're more vulnerable to have those traumatic experiences to view experiences as traumatic and she used the word fragile and like i had to actually get her to use a different word because as a man as a black man the idea of being <laughs> called fragile or vulnerable it just i i have too much testosterone i i, I can't get there like you've seen the memes like men would rather do blank than go to therapy like I'm one of those, I'm one of those people. So I think also admitting vulnerability is hard. You're not going to see, you're not going to see a lot of uh, men in general mm -hmm. of any race going up there being, and this is why rejection makes me sensitive. That's just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. automatically anything with the word sensitivity in it, it's going to be mostly women because it's just more socially acceptable, society acceptable for women to admit that they're sensitive to things, they're vulnerable to stuff, because women are seen as inherently vulnerable by our society. Men are supposed to be dominant, and we can't mm -hmm. be hurt. And all, all that's bullshit, but that's how that, that's how it's seen. So to, to you could write a thesis on this, but that's just yes. sort of my bullet points of thoughts on your question. So I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm going to follow up with your answer. So my oldest son... Um, which, you know, I didn't ask him permission, but hey, he's my kid. I can talk about him wherever I want. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty respectful. But my oldest son is my sensitive child, right? He owns his sensitivity. He verbalizes that he's sensitive. He came out of the womb sensory sensitive, and he's emotionally sensitive. So one day I asked him, I think maybe after whatever, two or three semesters in college, and I said, you know, uh, do you ever like, you know, do people ever like, you know, come up on you because, you know, you're so sensitive and you cry and you're, you know, and he looked at me and he said, mom, I mean, I'm a six foot three black male, 275 pounds. Nobody's walking up to me to fight. I'm like, oh, that's a really good value. Yeah. As so. someone who's also six foot and heavier than 275, I'll say that. 
and a black male, uh, yeah, that that doesn't happen. <laughs> like after after you're over the age of like ten, that doesn't happen. Clearly, I was not aware of that since I am not a black male. Um, but to go back to your your wonderful, brilliant um, response, I want to share with the listeners because you have a perspective of adults in, in the neurodivergent community. And so as an educator, I will say in regards to how do white girls um, respond and how do we react compared to the group of black boys. And when girls who are ADHD and unbeknownst to us at the time, RSD, because I don't remember that term um, being mentioned when I was an educator. It's pretty new, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those girls typically get really quiet or they cry. Right. But typically they respond and get really quiet. And, they and shut both down. of those are considered socially acceptable for females. Yes. And then everyone swoops in to make sure that Susie feels good about herself again. Well, when, and I'm being extremely stereotypical right now, but when Tyrone experiences RSD and simply stomps his foot on the floor out of response, Tyrone gets brought to the principal's office. Tyrone gets flagged after so many of these occurrences for emotionally disturbed. That is why we are talking about this. And some listeners may be comfortable or uncomfortable. Tyrone gets choked out by a cop who, quote, fears for their lives. Exactly, exactly. So the conversations, in order for us to shift the narrative on everything autism, everything ADHD, we have to talk about the race issue and the discrepancies in the United States of America. Um, and if, you know, people need to learn to be uncomfortable or comfortable with being uncomfortable, because that's the only way. I think I said that in my Facebook today. We can't grow unless we have discussions and listen to the other perspective and we have to shift the narrative, but, and I don't want any more Tyrones to be tagged as emotionally disturbed because then that's just the, what is it, the, um, what do they call it, a pipeline to prison? Because when you put a child who is very aware that they're not purposefully doing things and they don't know how to respond and you constantly put them in a classroom where they're not supposed to belong and they're not supported, you're creating someone that is going to do things not so well because no one supported them. People sometimes get mad with all of these terms and I get it sometimes it could be a bit much, but I don't necessarily think being able to put words to emotions and certain emotional profiles is a bad thing. I think it's great because it allows mm -hmm. you to, instead of having to list all the things that make up RSD, for example, just say RSD. And I do think the name is mostly good, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It sort of gives you the idea. Like mm -hmm. I said, my issue is it's, God, I hate to say this, but it it's it because you're using a term like sensitive, it's going to become gendered. It's it shouldn't mm -hmm. be, but it's going to be because like I said, it's men are not going to admit they have sensitivity to freaking anything. Mm -hmm. They could have mm -hmm. you could have like coronary issues where you're like sensitive to like dying. <laughs> like you're sensitive to cholesterol. You have cholesterol <laughs> sensitivity. And it's like, screw you, I'm still gonna eat my bacon. I don't give a shit.
I would like a different name. I don't have any suggestions. I hate I hate criticizing things without having at least some sort of solution. Mm-hmm. But I wish I wish we had a name that was that wouldn't be as prone to being gendered. Because sensitive mm-hmm. is not a gender term, but in our society it becomes yes. and even though that's wrong and we should work for a society that doesn't do that, we do live in reality. So I wish it had more of a term. And like emotional dysregulation is already taken, but I do mm-hmm. wish we had a name that sort of reflected that it's not just being sensitive to nasty things. Cause that's, yeah. you're not encouraging half the population, for example, for more than that, because unfortunately being vulnerable is a privileged thing. You see a lot of females or females of color who don't even have that luxury. Like, yes. for example, you, you're you a teacher and you work with kids with special needs and you've worked with kids with special needs for a very long time. The people, the story you told, the trash can lid, the lady, you're all, you all work with kids with special needs. So the idea of having support needs is already accepted. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't be able to do that, even being a white woman, take that aside. She wouldn't be able to do that working i don't know in like mcdonald's or like corporate or any sort of gr- or i'm thinking like grunt jobs even like some like i worked in a dish room i worked in uh food service things like that and like they just get fired mm-hmm. like it's it, it it's i wish we had a world where that was more accepted because i don't think it's a mm-hmm. bad thing but the problem is it only came up because you're in you were in an inclusive ish yeah. environment now i feel once again i want to make clear i feel this woman who's taking advantage of that inclusion a little mm-hmm. bit at least but i do wish we could actually spread that to other places so people from all backgrounds could be able to express their emotional profiles and we mm-hmm. could better service their needs and you could understand mm-hmm. some of these people better because like I said, just for men, for example, as a man, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I can't speak as a black man because I am one. When 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 we're if we're dealing with RSD, which I do too, our reactions tend to just be getting angry. We start yelling, mm-hmm. we get very aggressive. And as a man, especially as a black man, that's dangerous. So we it, it's not recognized as RSD. It's not recognized mm-hmm. as that. It's recognized us being dangerous. Yeah. So that's just an example of right now you're seeing RDS, RSD mainly in like white women because they have the privilege and they're the gender that is it socially acceptable to be affected by emotional mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. which is incredibly screwed up. Well, what is what would be really great is for somebody, and I'm sure somebody is, but looking at the, you know, I'm I'm talking about the work environment, but I'm sure that the unbeknownst to the person who is ADHD with RSD, if they're not aware of it, that must significantly impact relationships, dating, marriages. I mean, I can only imagine um, if they don't understand what's going on, if they don't know the terminology RSD. Um, you know, not everybody, not everybody's on social media. It, no, it's it, it's true. And a big issue is, like I said, social acceptance it's assumed mm-hmm. that female especially because it's stereotype especially white women are inherently mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. so that 
lack of emotional regulation is just it, it's more acceptable versus if a dude did it or if god forbid a female of color like you know the stereotype of an angry black woman you're not allowed to be an angry black woman or an angry woman of color that scene is like let's talk about that just for one second it's mm-hmm. seen as a black woman who's angry or a black woman who is not it it is it, it is more standoffish because let's say they they have RSD is going to be perceived very differently than a white woman. Oh, definitely, definitely. Do you, I don't know if you were, um, <clears throat> had a chance to watch or if you remember. I sent a clip from there was a black woman having a discussion. I think she was a guest on a podcast with two white women, and she was talking about the difference of responses. And um, I mean, I shared that with everyone, black or white, because. The, it, the way she stated it in terms of society has taught us to feel empathy for the, I mean, it, what's that horrible historic uh, millet, uh, timid, oh my gosh, the porch, they made a movie out of it just recently. I cannot remember, Timmet Hill, no, it's, oh my gosh, Emmett Hill. Shame on, thank you, thank you. Thank Emmett you. Till, Emmett Till. Emmett yeah. Till, Emmett Till. You know, that was the whole thing right so that hasn't changed it just looks different and and that's because it's just been even within our own race we do that with the fair complexity of your skin right so all of these shades and all of these things that we're talking about is very valid not to the fault of saying oh my gosh we're bad people it's just been ingrained so that's why having the conversations and the way the lady stated it in terms of you know, we've been taught to respond a certain way to white women in distress. And we've been taught to expect black women to be strong, right? Because in America, black women had to, to be. be because you're brought here as, you know, not by will and your babies are taken away. So you learn to be strong or you're dead, right? One or the other, those are your options or you just get beat, whatever it is that, that was going on. <clears throat> so we're taught and I am, you know, you're a black male, I'm a black woman and there are things that we're taught, right? That we have to do. And so this is why, and this this, this discussion is is just blossoming into much more than I thought it was gonna be. And I don't know if we're overwhelming our listeners, but this is the only way to shift the narrative on neurodivergency. We have got to start talking about why we feel that way. Why do we feel that? You know, this. I sent you the other one about the study of teachers watching four children and how everyone was biased towards the, the darker complected children. And if we don't start talking about it, we're all gonna keep those biases and we're not gonna change things. And so whether it's a bias around race, whether it's a bias around ADHD, whether it's a bias around RSD, bias around autism, we have to talk about it because if we don't know the other person's perception and they don't know ours and we don't understand it, we're just gonna keep perpetuating the same thing over and over again. And I'm gonna stop talking. No, I, I agree. And I feel bad that this is the direction this episode turned. I originally planned to talk more about like what RDS is and things like that. But I feel like it's good it went in this direction at the same time because it's important, because perceptions are important. Um, how people are allowed to express themselves are important. So I am, I guess, glad 
But the thing I want to make clear is that it's not just a white girl disorder. We're saying it presents more because it's more socially acceptable to sort of sum it up. Um, the last thing I guess I want to say is sort of wrap this all up because we are a little up against time is that I'm glad that we now have words for this. And I really hope going forward that we'll be able to help more people of different backgrounds be able mm -hmm. to understand their needs and, and mm -hmm. the accommodations they need. And I really hope that we get some better language around it and we can take, and some this language exists, like I said, we can take language from other things and bring it over so people don't have to ask for emojis on email like a jackass. Yes. Great discussion, Torn. Thank you. And Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism and ADHD. See ya.